0: The beautiful part about learning a new language is learning new phrases that are colorful enough so that you can express exactly how you feel and think in English. In today's English lesson, all of the phrases that I'm going to teach you relate to color. I call these color idioms and phrases. Now, not only do these phrases relate to colors, there are also just great phrases to express yourself with native English speakers in your daily conversations. These idioms and phrases in today's English lesson are extremely common, so you'll need to know them when speaking with native English speakers. Make sure to subscribe down below to receive a free PDF that goes along with today's lesson. And let's get started. I'm going to teach you the most common and most important color idiom and phrases. White as a ghost. Now, a ghost is obviously typically portrayed as the color white, especially in movies and television shows. And a very common way to say that somebody's skin has gone very pale, either because they are very frightened or about to be sick, is we say they were white as a ghost. Maybe you've seen television shows or movies where a woman tells a man that she is unexpectedly pregnant. And the man will turn white as a ghost. <gasps> he'll look very surprised and the color will go out of his face. So he'll look very white. So in English, we use the expression white as a ghost when someone is, you know, unexpected of something and they're very surprised. Or sometimes if someone is getting sick or about to vomit or throw up, we say they turn white as a ghost before. I come out looking white as a ghost. Oh. <laughs> So, you wouldn't know that because you're white as a ghost. Speaking of the color white, I hope that you do not tell any white lies. In English, we use the phrase white lie to refer to a very small, very minor lie that we tell. And usually when we tell a white lie, it's because we don't want to say the truth and offend someone or hurt someone's feelings. So, an example of a white lie would be if your friend says, hey, do you want to go out to dinner with me tonight?" And you say, actually, I have a lot of work to do at home. I can't go out tonight. Now, the white lie here might be that you don't actually have any work to do, but you just want to relax and you don't want to go out that night, but you don't want your friend's feelings to be hurt. You don't want them to think that you don't like them. So you're just saying, oh, I'm so busy. I can't go out. That's just a small lie. It's it's not a major one, but it's a white lie. Some people believe that it is bad even to tell a white lie, and some people think that white lies are okay because they can save you some stress of offending someone or telling someone something that's just too honest. It's only a white lie. Even a little white lie. These are called little white lies. Little white lies? Have you ever heard of someone with a white-collar job? In English, when someone has a job where they don't work with their hands and they definitely don't get dirty in their job, they do more of office work. We call that a white-collar job. We also use the phrase in English, white-collar crime. This is a crime that has not hurt anyone. It's not violent of any sort. It's more of a financial crime. So maybe you have stolen some money somehow or you have cheated the system in a way with money, we refer to those as white-collar crimes. So anything that relates to white-collar in English just means a professional job that works in an office setting or in a corporate or financial setting rather than working with their hands. Many people go to college so that they can get a white-collar job white collar college grad white collar blue collar white collar crime have you ever heard someone describe something in english as black and white in english we use the phrase black and white in an idiomatic way rather than literal just to say that something is black and white we mean it's for sure you can't argue with that thing or sometimes we'll say that something is not black and white which means It is up for interpretation or there's no one correct answer. Let me give you a couple examples to help you understand how we use this phrase in English. When I was in college, I had to take classes like mathematics and physics. And in those classes, when you take a test, the answer is pretty black and white. There's always a correct answer. And if you don't get that correct answer, then you are wrong. Now, when I took classes that were like literature in art classes if you did an assignment it was kind of not just black and white the teacher could say you either did a good job or a bad job just depending on their opinion it wasn't so black and white black and white in black and white it's pretty black and white next let's talk about what it means when an english speaker says that something is a gray area this phrase is extremely common to say that something is a gray area. Now, this phrase is kind of like saying something isn't black and white, but instead we use this phrase more often when we're talking about something that isn't quite legal or illegal. It's a gray area or if something is not against the rules, but it's not technically following the rules either. Let me give you a couple examples. One example of a gray area that I can think of that's really common in American workplaces is when you're not sure if something is your job to do or if it's your coworker's job to do and your boss says, hey, this needs to get done. It's kind of a gray area whose responsibility it is, but typically someone just does the job because even though no one's assigned to it, it's not black and white who's supposed to be doing it. They'll do it just because it needs to get done. So things that you're not sure who are supposed to be doing the thing, that's a gray area in the workplace. Escapades is our gray area. Oh, oh yeah. honey, gray area. It's the gray area. A really common idiom that English learners always learn is that there is a silver lining to things in life. A silver lining is what we call the positive aspect to an otherwise very negative situation. So for instance, even though someone is sick, the silver lining is at least they get to stay at home and watch a lot of movies. Or even though it rained outside and we couldn't go outside today, the silver lining is that our plants will grow and our garden will grow and we'll have beautiful flowers tomorrow. So it's finding the positive aspects in otherwise bad or negative situations in life. The silver lining. Well, silver lining. Well, silver lining. Silver lining. One phrase that I really like to teach to my English students is brownie points. You might hear an American English speaker or you might hear me say that you get brownie points for something. Now, brownie points is like this made-up point system It's not real. There's no real points or scoring for this, but when someone does something just to be nice or just to do something really good for you just because they want you to either like them or just think favorably of them, you can say, why do you get brownie points for that? So it's not real points, but it's just points that are made up and you're just saying like, I really like that. That's going to make me happy and that's going to make me like you sometimes if you have an older neighbor and you help them with something like maybe you cut their lawn or maybe you help them bring in their groceries to their house you might just get brownie points for that people think that you're a good person just because you did that or if you're at work and you want your boss to like you you might do something that is out of your way to do something really good for instance you finish a project early and you say hey boss got this too early they'll say nice job you get brownie points that means they just think favorably of you or they like you because you did something extra trying to score brownie points with your sister brownie points for taking a nap a really great phrase that we use in english to describe something that is a very rare and very great opportunity is we say that something is a golden opportunity So for many people, immigrating to the United States is a golden opportunity because there are a lot of things that you can do here, like you could start a business, you can go to school. As long as you get a visa to come here, it's a golden opportunity. I know it's not very easy to come here for most people and get a visa. So it's kind of a golden opportunity. Sometimes if you get a job interview for a job that normally doesn't hire or it's just a really well-paying job, you could say this is a golden opportunity for me. The job interview is a golden opportunity because you don't normally get such a great interview for a great job. You'll miss some golden opportunities. You've got a golden opportunity here. This, This is a golden opportunity. Let's move on to some darker colors. I've got a Ton of idioms and phrases involving the color black in English. First of all, let's talk about what it means to be pitch black. You could say it's pitch black outside. That means there is no moon in the sky. There's no street lights. It's just very dark. You cannot see anything. Even if you were to walk outside with no flashlight, you would be able to see your hand in front of you because it's pitch black. So, when there's no light, in English, we use that phrase pitch black. Ow! It's pitch black in here. Is it- pitch black? Is it pitch black? One way that we describe someone who is very physically injured, especially if they have a lot of bruises, we say that they are black and blue. Now this is just a very common way to say that someone has a lot of injuries or bruises from either an accident or maybe they've been beat up by another person or if you sprain your ankle and it starts swelling up and turning bruising colors like kind of purpley black and bluish we say wow my ankle is turning black and blue. It's a very common phrase used to say that your injury is getting kind of bad and it's bruising. Black and blue like black and blue black and blue fight night a really important phrase to know in English is black out drug now sometimes people just say blackout or they say blackout drunk. if you want to describe someone who has drank so much alcohol that they won't remember the evening, you can say they are black out drug and it obviously is not a good thing to be this intoxicated, or drunk from alcohol. Seriously, blackout drunk. Because you were like blackout drunk? You might have this next idiom in your first language. If you describe someone as the black sheep of a group or the black sheep of your family, it means they are very different from the other people around them. And it's usually perceived as a negative thing to be the black sheep. For instance, if a family has a lot of successful people in it, maybe the mom is a lawyer, the dad is a doctor, several of the kids have gone on to be lawyers and doctors, but then one of the kids maybe doesn't want to take that career path. Maybe that child does something more creative like become an artist or a musician. We often say that they are the black sheep of the family. Now, sometimes we say this in a more joking manner, but sometimes it really is perceived as a very negative thing to be the black sheep of your family. Because when we say that someone is the black sheep, it means they don't fit in. Black sheep. He was the black sheep. So the black sheep returns. Blue, blue, blue. Let's move on to some idioms involving the color blue. Now, the first idiom involving the color blue is the opposite of white collar, which we talked about earlier in the idiom or phrase that we like to use to describe jobs that work with their hands, like construction or gardening, is blue collar. Now, I think this phrase comes from the idea that a lot of, you know, industrial workers that work with their hands, they used to wear, you know, those blue shirts, those blue working shirts that say their name on them. So... The phrase blue collar came from this and then usually white collar people, you know, they don't get dirty at work, so they wear nice white press shirts to work. So, I'm not saying that blue collar is bad. Blue collar workers are so important because they do the jobs that help keep our houses nice, keep our buildings nice, keep our streets nice. Blue collar workers are so important and it's important to know this phrase for English because someone might describe your job as white-collar or blue-collar. Attention, blue-collar workers! Blue-collar cop. Blue-collar, white-collar, a woman, a man. The next phrase, you might hear someone say when they are extremely sad. If they are singing in a certain style, and they're singing about their problems or their sorrows, we call that singing the blues. Now, typically in the English language, Blue is associated with sadness. So Adele is someone I think of as she kind of sings the blues. She sings about heartbreak and things like that when she is sad. Now I can teach you English until I'm blue in the face. But if you don't practice, you will not get better. This phrase to do something until you are blue in the face. It means you keep doing something that's challenging even And you do it and do it and do it, but you don't receive any results. So a lot of people will use this phrase. You can do this until you're blue in the face, but you won't see any results until you do this other thing. So my example was, you know, you can watch English lessons until you're blue in the face, or I can teach you English until I'm blue in the face. But if you don't practice, you won't actually receive results. So make sure that you're using all of the phrases in today's English lesson in your real life conversations, or if you're watching television or movies, hopefully you'll see these phrases as well. And if you want the extra practice, make sure to use the link down below in the description of today's video to download the PDF that goes along with the definitions and example sentences from this lesson. You can deny it till you're blue in the face. That's what I've been trying to tell you until I'm blue in the face. I was talking about Adele earlier in this lesson. And this next phrase is from her song, Someone Like You. But we also use this phrase in English all of the time. So when we say that something came out of the blue, like when she says, I hate to come out of the blue uninvited, it means you come out of nowhere. You come out of the sky, just out of nowhere. You don't know where someone came from. It was very unexpected if something comes out of the blue. So one thing that always brightens my day and makes me happy is when an old friend calls me or texts me out of the blue. It's so fun to hear from them. That means there's no reason why they called or texted you and it wasn't really expected but you know all of a sudden they just think of you and they text you something nice. Or one great thing at work is if you got a promotion out of the blue. That means you weren't expecting it but you know for some reason your boss just offers you more money and a better job. That would be great, out of the blue, right? Out of the blue. Alone, out of the blue. That's out of the blue. Now we talked about all of these color idioms and now we're gonna move on to the color red. We talked about how blue can often be associated with sadness. Well, I associate red typically with anger or, you know, warnings, things like that. So think about that when you interpret idioms and phrases in English, You know what the different types of colors can be associated with, which feelings. The first idiom I'm going to teach you is when we call something a red flag. You might have an idiom or phrase similar to this in your first language as well. If we say, well, that was a red flag, it means it was kind of a warning that made us a little bit nervous. For instance, If you go on a date with someone and they say, well, I still live with my mom and actually um, I don't have a job. Those might be red flags to you because you might be thinking, well, why aren't you working and why don't you have your own place if you're an adult? You know, those could be red flags. But some people, that might not be a red flag. I don't know. For some people, you know, maybe they really like music and they are a big music lover and they're on a date and someone says, I hate music, that could be a red flag to them as well. So there's a lot of red flags when it comes to getting in relationships with people. And also, you know, maybe you're thinking about buying a house or moving into a house. And the landlord or whoever says, you know, um, well, we do have uh, some bugs in the house sometimes, but it's not really a big deal. You might think well that's kind of a red flag why did they say only sometimes you know maybe the problem might be bigger than they're describing just even mentioning it to you might get you worried and that's a red flag to you so that's what we mean in english when we say that something is a red flag it means it kind of makes us nervous and it's kind of a warning to us that something bigger could be wrong no red flags big red flag red flag red flag everybody When you live in the United States, we have a really big government and we have lots of types of governments. We have, you know, the federal government, we have state government, and we have local government. With all of these governments, sometimes when you want to do something like start a business, build a building, pay your taxes, there is a lot of red tape. Now, this phrase, red tape, it means there is an excessive amount of bureaucracy or a lot of paperwork or different rules that you have to follow. And a lot of times if there's red tape involved with doing something, it just means that there's a lot of formal things that you have to do and it can kind of make things difficult to get done. This phrase might be a little bit confusing. So let me give you an example. If you want to improve your house, maybe you want to build onto your house. Well, here in the United States, typically, you have to go to the local government and you have to get a building permit and you have to submit sort of plans, maybe from an architect, and you have to get a contractor out and they have to, you know, assess everything and submit more paperwork. That is a lot of red tape just to do something to your house as small as adding one room. Or recently, I had to get a new water heater in my house so we could take hot showers Well, we actually had to get a building permit just to get that installed in our house. So that was a little bit of red tape, just for something that seemed very minor, just replacing one thing in the house that was already there. So red tape can be a bit annoying, especially here in the United States. Have you ever heard of someone being caught red-handed? In English, this phrase red-handed, it means they are caught in the act or someone sees The person committing a crime or breaking their rule it's not like they figured it out later they saw you red-handed that means you were actually doing the thing that you weren't supposed to do i always think of this phrase as you know when young children want a cookie and they ask their parents and their parents say no you can't have a cookie right now the child might just you know try to sneak and grab a cookie from the cookie jar and their parent sees them doing it and they said, hey, no, you can't have a cookie. I just told you no. And the kid will say, oh, I wasn't trying to get a cookie. You might say, I caught you red handed. That means I saw you doing the thing. So if you see someone committing a crime, you have caught them red handed. Red handed. Caught red handed. The last idiom in today's English lesson can be said two ways. People often say, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Or some people say the grass is greener on the other side. So this just describes a situation that you're in. Let me give you an example of how this phrase, the grass, isn't always greener on the other side, can be used. So some people in the United States, they live places where the weather is extremely cold in the winter. And they'll say, geez, I wish I lived somewhere that wasn't so cold in the winter. Some people will say to them, kind of giving advice, they'll say, well, the grass isn't greener on the other side because places that don't have this cold winter, they just have a really hot and unbearable summer. So this means that the other person's situation, just because it's different than yours, it's not always better than yours. Or if you wanted to say that the situation is better, you could say, well, the grass is greener on the other side. So this phrase, it's more commonly used the first way I described it but it can be used both ways. The grass is always greener on the other side. Which side the grass is greener on? Thank you for taking the time out of your day to study these English phrases with me. I really enjoyed teaching you this colorful list of idioms. I think all of these phrases are super useful and they'll just make your language that much better when you use them in an actual English conversation. Make sure to go download that PDF so you can keep studying these phrases And I'll see you guys in another idiom and phrase lesson on screen. Goodbye.